0: you have your bibles let's uh, turn to hebrews 6 and of course we've been looking at hebrews for a while and this is our quarter where we are spending three weeks in hebrews and this is our last night to do so you'll you'll notice that if you well let's turn hebrews 5 we looked at it uh, last time and uh <coughs> excuse me um Hebrews 5 and verse 10 uh, ends with the word what? Hebrews 5 and 10 ends with what word? Melchizedek, all right. And Hebrews 6, and the very uh, last word of Hebrews 6 is Melchizedek. Okay, and if we want to keep going back, we'll see that we are building toward a Thorough discussion in chapter 7 of all of the little details about Melchizedek. Of course, we looked last time and we we mentioned that there are really uh, a couple very uh, prevalent views about who Melchizedek is. And we talked a little bit about it, but we're going to get into it in some depth in chapter 7. Now, the first thing we're going to do tonight, and I know that uh, I'm not jumping and shouting and so on, but we're going to um, review chapter 5, okay? And there it is. There's the review of chapter 5. Basically, and of course, you were here. You know what we were looking at. The reason I'm doing this is because we can't just jump into chapter 6. We need to think about what it's talking about before we do the first verse so the summary or we'll call it maybe the overall theme that's probably would have been better i need to fix that uh the summary is to the right but at the where the priest has his hands lifted there some artist drew this painted this that's the theme of chapter five you can't reject jesus and be saved now we could say that that's the theme of the entire book of Hebrews really but but that is certainly what chapter 5 is talking about. You cannot reject Jesus and say, "Well, I'm Jewish or I'm in the temple or it doesn't matter, I'm Buddhist or it's 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 uh it, it. Now how many knows that the Islamic radicals blew up the uh the Twin Towers. How many knows that that happened? By flying planes into them. Okay. So we need to, the first thing you would ask yourself is why would a religious extremist, didn't matter if it's Muslim or who it is, I'm, I'm using that to to remind you that yes, over 3,000 people were killed. One entire company had, it's almost entire company wiped out. Had hundreds and hundreds of, of uh employees because radical religionists i'm not we're not here to discuss islam we're here to talk about the fact that there are those in this world who do not believe that you have a right to believe anything except what they believe you follow me and yet in america we are being taught the uh rubbish is rubbish a good word can we say that i mean it in the australian sense The rubbish that says you have to let everybody believe what they want to believe. And we are now hearing from lawyers that if we preach the Bible against immorality, we will be arrested. They will take away our tax exemption. That's where they're going. And so there's a huge battle on right now. It's going on in the election. It's going on in in the society. It's a Supreme Court that they're trying to make it to where it is absolutely essential that Christians say. Now notice you've got over a billion people that say we don't believe anybody can be any religion but ours. And then here we are in America where you can't have any religion. You have to do what we tell you to do as the state. All religions have to accept one another. I would say the world is in chaos. That's what you call chaos. I've been recently call, calling it the Picasso issue of our time. Anyone know who Picasso was? He painted pictures that nobody knew what they were. He would tell you what they were, but if you believe you me, you never would have believed it. You look at it and say, that looks like... Someone dropped a paint bucket and they said, well, no, that's the that's, you know, and then he would just tell you what it was. Picasso was very interesting, by the way, but we're not here to discuss Picasso. But the point is that we're in a day when you look at the world and you say it, it doesn't make any sense. That's because we are very near the coming of the Lord. You've got extremists that are saying, we're going to blow you up if you don't do what we say. And then you've got liberals saying, nobody can believe anything except what the state tells them to believe. We're getting ready for the Antichrist. We are so close. It's, I mean, it's mind-blowing. But I'm here to tell you, there is only one way to be saved, and that is through Jesus Christ. That's it. Someone said, you can't say that. Oh, yes, I can. I just did, and I will until I see Jesus. I'm preaching there's one way to be saved. That's it, through Jesus Christ. Someone said, well, that's not fair. That's not nice. It may not be, but you're not going to get coming through my lips that you can believe whatever you want, and that's going to save you. That doesn't save you. There is a Savior. (laughs) Hallelujah. And here's another. Well, okay, that's enough of that. So you can't reject Jesus and be saved. And you can't reject the word of God. Those were, those were all in chapter 5. You can't reject the word of God. That's why it said in chapter 4, his word is quick and powerful and sharper than what? Any two-edged sword. The word. The word cannot be rejected because it's the word that tells us what how to live and so on, how to be saved. And then chapter 5 builds on that. Now, number one... Uh, well, I've listed four. There's actually five there. You can see that Jesus, the whole point of chapter five is that Jesus is superior to the law, the priests of the law of Moses, or we could say superior to Aaron. Aaron was the first high priest, and God selected him. And that priesthood meant that you had to come from an order that you could prove that your birth was directly from Aaron. Without it, you could not be—I'm not directly from Aaron. I'm sorry, directly from the Levites that Aaron was from, and so without that, you could not be a priest. And that's the order of Aaron. But it's very important for Paul to show that the priesthood of Jesus did not depend on the law. Everybody say praise the Lord. It depended on what God wanted it to be. So number one, Jesus had what we're calling a Melchizedek order. Now I spelled it there just like the Old Testament. I don't know why, because this is New Testament, but there it is. You can see it. His Melchizedek order, priesthood is superior in that he can be both a king and a priest at the same time. How I many know you couldn't do that in the Old Testament? All right. So that he's explaining God had another order. How I many knows that God can do anything he wants to do? Someone said, that's not fair. God can't keep me out of heaven. You watch. You just watch. Someone said, Peter stands at the door and keeps people out. No, he doesn't. He no more keeps people out of heaven than Humpty Dumpty does. What's going to keep you out of (laughs) heaven? Okay, folks, you're you're stirring me up here. No, I'm just kidding. Here we go. So number two, his humanity is proof of his deity. His humanity is proof of who he was. That is, that he was a true, powerful priest from God. That is, he was able to surrender so that he was both sinless. He was sinless, but he proved it. Are you following me? By completely surrendering himself to Calvary. He said, not my will, but thine be done. And then he lived that. When they came and got him, the Apostle Peter grabbed his sword and chopped uh, the, the, uh, the ear off of the felons, and, 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 and Jesus took his ear and put it back on and said, no, no, no. I mean, that's just a, a, a paraphrase. He said, I'm going, I'm going to Calvary. This is what I've come for. Now, <clears throat> and of course, that's what chapter 5 deals with. Number three, perfect obedience. That is Jesus' perfect obedience Was his perfection demonstrated? In other words, that's why it says he was perfected. Everyone say was perfected. Are you still awake? In other words, he wasn't perfect. I'm being perfected because I'm imperfect. I'm being, you don't have to say amen that loud. And I'm just kidding. I'm being perfected. (laughs) I'm being perfected because I'm imperfect. And because I'm a mere man. And when we say being perfected, now, that is not what is meant when you speak of Jesus' perfection. Because he was not imperfect. The perfection was in the demonstrating of his integrity. He never failed to be the son of God. Every step he took. That's why you want to be like Jesus. Every step he took was exactly... That's why Hebrews, we've already been there, but Hebrews says he is the express image of God. He is the God's exact replica in human form. Everything that God would do, that's what Jesus, He never failed a single time. That's how he was perfected in the demonstrating of his integrity, revealing his amazing integrity in the face of suffering On our behalf. Then number four, you can't be saved uh, if you reject the truth about Jesus. And it's God's word that discerns between good and evil. And that's into chapter five. Everybody say, praise the Lord. And that's a bit of a a rehash. Now, let's get our Bibles. Let's look at uh, Hebrews 5.11. Because this is is exactly what chapter six is about. It just starts in chapter five. And it says, uh, of whom we have many things to say. That is of, everyone listen now because we're going to go quick. Of Jesus' Melchizedek order, he has many things to say, but you won't listen to me. You won't listen to the word of God. You've already made up your mind. You can dress the way you want. You can go where you want. Nobody Hollywood's more important than any preacher. You made up your mind. It's that same old mentality that nobody tells me anything. Therefore, you will not make it to heaven. You're not going to make it to heaven telling that you are going to make your own way to heaven. It's not going to happen. And that is, that is another word for that. There's two words for it. They're both on this overlay. If you're looking at a steak, are you looking at a steak? All right. If you're looking at a steak, then you're looking at, <laughs> you're looking at the two words. And one is, I uh, hope you're not hungry. One is backsliding, and the other is apostasy. They're really the same word. Apostasy means that you walk away from. The word apostasy is an, an ancient word that means to walk away from truth, to apostasize means to leave truth and go to something else. That's another word for that is backsliding. Now, of course, the point of, of the chapter 6 is that this is going to destroy your soul. Your soul's in danger. The minute you can't listen to a preacher, the minute you think you're smarter than everybody else, the minute you think you're better than the Bible, that the Bible doesn't matter, you are endangering your soul. You're endangering your soul. So, okay... And so he gives two analogies. I won't read. If I don't get going, I've got to get into chapter 6 here. And the two analogies are dull of hearing. Everyone say dull of hearing and strong meat. Those are the two analogies. In other words, he uses dull of hearing to uh talk about obedience in other words you won't obey because when you hear it you're smarter you you've got an education you you've got money you you know as much as the preacher no the bible didn't mean that or the bible's got mistakes Uh, i mean how could a book be perfect Who who could write a book that's perfect all the things that the devil has convinced people are true that's causing them to be lost and go to hell now, you say, but Brother French, millions are getting the Holy Ghost. Yes. Millions are saved. Yes. I got a call from headquarters. They started a new department. They want me to write all these things about uh, how fast and how many people are getting the Holy Ghost here and there. Yes, they're getting the Holy Ghost all over the world, all over South America, all over the world. People are getting the Holy Ghost. They're getting baptized in Jesus' name. God is sending a revelation. Yes. But don't you think for a minute there aren't tons of people that are sitting home and wouldn't darken the doors of a church because they think they're perfectly fine they've convinced themselves of that they're dull of hearing they will not obey number two they will not take strong meat they want milk we could have gone at that direct we did that last week i'm simply trying to show you that when you when you have to be i I don't want to say be babied because in the in the that's not what i mean uh you have to be babied Uh, i don't mean that um there are people that have to be babied. We know what that means. But uh, that's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about you had to be babied. He's talking about that you will not accept the word. You won't re- receive the word. Accept and receive are basically the same word. You won't let the word come into your mind and your heart and, and work on you. Now, now listen to me. You, you, we've got to be discerning here, folks. There are people that are trying to understand it. They're trying. We had a lady get the Holy Ghost here just a few days ago. That brought her a bunch of her family just Sunday morning. She'd been here many times. She's told me many times, "I want to understand." Trying to figure it out and so on, and, but she didn't. Under- but she kept pressing. We baptized her about three months—I don't know, a few months ago. We baptized her, and then we baptized her son. And and, and but the the point I'm telling you is, she may be sitting. There, I didn't look around, but what I'm telling you is that. There are people that the minute they walk in, they may not respond. But that doesn't mean they're throwing the word away. You've got to be discerning. And you, by the way, you've got to let God be God. You, can't, you don't always know what God is doing. But you don't change the truth. You don't say, oh, well, oh, don't worry about it. You better worry about it. But you don't. you don't have to judge everyone's motive before God has. Because God may know, I mean... Of course, God knows, but uh, sometimes we think we know. We already know we don't really know that God may be working on them, and so we know that when we're in the environment of the Spirit, that uh, folks may be on milk. So I'm trying to backtrack a tad. They may uh, they may not be you know receiving strong meat like they should, but that doesn't mean they're rejecting it. You see what I'm saying? You don't see what I'm saying? All right. Just because they're not chewing on steak, folks, doesn't mean you're supposed to slap them in the face with one. I like steak, but I've never liked it upside my face. We can't always say that because someone hasn't, let's say, done everything they should do, that they're not open to it. Because... It doesn't just happen instantaneously that every single thing they need to know and understand. For example, some people may not even know they're supposed to tithe. That's something they're learning. You know, we've read the Bible backwards and forwards and we think everybody, under, they don't understand, a lot of them don't understand. Then you tell them, well, you know, someone just told me the other day, well, pastor, I had—I never heard of that. Well, of course, you're, you're new to to. To the faith. And what do you think of that? Well, I think that's really interesting. I wondered how you were supposed to know what to give. Well, there you go. Jesus tithed and he talked about it and Bible talks. So there we go. All the way back. Brother French has been teaching on it recently. So the, the point is that, that just because they're not tithing right this second doesn't mean that they're rejecting it. They may be willing once they understand. That's why we have to be teaching. That's why we have to teach holiness. That's why we have to live holiness. That's why we have to plan to teach holiness over and over and over. And then when you get the new ones all understanding it and receiving it, then you got to go back because someone's saying, Well, you know you got to go back and help them to recommit to living a holy life because we're in a world that's not holy, where you can let un- ungodly things in your life from almost every quarter. All right, so, uh, and so it is. Let's keep going, and now we're on, I think this, we're going to go to chapter six. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Let's read, shall we? I'm going to read verse one, and the way it's supposed to be is, the way I've tried to do it is you, I mean, the one verse is a color and then it changed color that means we're at the next verse so we're looking at four verses and i'm reading what is in i'm looking at it it's the white text that begins therefore which means we're picking right up we're still where we were talking about that steak they couldn't receive steak or strong meat it didn't mean steak i'm just using that as an example they couldn't eat the kind they couldn't receive the word they needed they wanted something else And by rejecting the word, you are destroying your soul. That's chapter 5. Then he says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, or going beyond just the basics. The the principles means the very basic principles of the doctrine of Christ. That is, his priesthood and who he was and so forth. Let us... You notice here, if you can see it, you notice that I've changed the color. Let us go on. In other words, you've got to shake yourself. You've got to get out of your apathy and uh, get to moving in the right direction. Let us go on unto what? Perfection. Not. Laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Now, if you would read verse 2. Of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. How many notice that, uh, let's just say, that verse has a minimum of four different basics. Do you see that in verse 2? Doctrines of baptisms. Which I take to mean spirit and water, but there are other possibilities, but certainly those two. And of laying on of hands. Anybody believe in laying on of hands? Well, I wonder sometimes. I wonder sometimes. I'm getting very worried that we are we really open to the gifts of the Spirit, or are we just ready to go eat a hamburger? I really do. Sometimes I wonder, Lord, why are we not uh, let? Why is the Spirit not operating in the gifts in our midst? What is, what is happening? We feel your presence. People are moved, and, and we're shouting and singing, but yet your gifts are setting right there. See? Well, I'll tell you why, because we're afraid of them. When, since when were you afraid of a gift? Now, if you've got a gift and it's ticking, tick, 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 you might want to check on that one. All right, never mind. I can see that you're, not gonna, you're just not going to go with me. Of the bapt- doctrine of baptism. Now, before that, it was uh, uh, repentance from dead works. That is obvious. I, I don't want to be obvious here. But if you're full of sin and all you're ever doing is repenting, no wonder the gifts aren't working. If all you're ever doing is l- mouthing off and, and complaining and gossiping, and that's the only doctrine you you're stuck on needing repentance all the time. Now, if you sin, you need to repent. But but if you're stuck on it, no wonder, no wonder. And the faith toward God, I mean, uh, I believe this church has faith. And I will tell you something else. I've got a few people. If I really need somebody to get a hold of God, there are people I know to call. I do not hesitate. I just dial that number or get to their door and say, here's the need, let's begin to pray. And I want to tell you, heaven hears every word they're saying. All right, so uh, it is. And then I, am I reading verse 3? And this we will do. Let's read that together. And this we will do if God permit. So what does that mean? That means that we will move on into perfection and look at or eat the strong meat, and I'm going to talk to you about Melchizedek. I'm about to do it, he said. In fact, he is. He's just a few verses away. I'm going to move on and talk to you about some things some of you are not even ready for it. That's what he's saying. We will do it. If God allows, I'm about ready to do it. And then verse... uh, Could you read that, shall we? For it is impossible. Okay, hold on. I got to see what I did with the rest of it. Is that the end of the actual verse? I'm looking at my computer. It is the end. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. I don't want to go further yet. All right, here we go. I, I, this is going to go quick, so don't don't get nervous. It's impossible. All right, let's read it again. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were partakers of the Holy Ghost. So we're. I think we can all be real clear that those three items are making it as obvious as the nose on our face that he's talking about someone that was saved, that had the Holy Ghost, that was a child of God. All right? There we go. It's impossible. Everyone say impossible. Absolutely impossible. And have tasted the good word of God. Have any of you been tasting the good word of God lately? And the powers of the world to come. I feel like we have been in the presence of God in apostolic tabernacle. We, we are, and this is why Satan hates. Folks, if you don't know Satan, folks, Satan hates us enough. We need to love one another. And we need to love God with all of our heart and taste the powers. It looks to me like that's what he's saying. I have tasted that comma there. There are no commas in Greek. I have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. That's what we call a double uh, object. You've tasted of two things, the good word And the powers of the world to come. You taste it. Some of you aren't even hungry for it. And that is our problem. We need to recognize that if we're going to have a move of God. We've got to be hungry for it. We've got to be hungry for another world. Now if all you're doing. Help me Jesus. Forgive me Jesus. Forgive me Jesus. If all you care about. Is a. Sport and a movie and a movie star and that has you so enveloped and so all you can do is think of how that's so important to you that you have no hunger for the world to come. Well, that pretty well describes a whole lot of American churches today. But I hope and pray it doesn't describe apostolic people. To where we want to look like Hollywood stars? Is that really what you want to look like? You want to look like a Hollywood star? You want to look like some... Uh, well, uh, that would explain a great deal. But when you begin to to taste and hunger after the world to come... I, I just love the way... I love Hebrews, by the way. But anyway, so they if they have tasted the word and of the powers of the world to come. Now, here we go. Let's look at verse... You read verse uh, 6. Here we go. If they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance. Sing. All right. Now, of course, what's most important, I think, here is... That it is impossible to walk away from truth and be saved. Everyone say, Amen. amen. Okay. But there's another question that is often uh, asked about this, uh, the way this is translated, I would say, if they shall fall away. In other words, someone would say, Can a back, are you listening to me? We're got- gonna stay long here, I've-, I've got other things to say. But if someone backslides, can they be saved? Is there hope for them? Can they come back from their backsliding? And the answer is yes. It doesn't say that if they fall away, that there's no hope for someone that falls away if they do not crucify Jesus afresh. What this is describing is someone that thinks that they can re-crucify Jesus. And condemn him. And they're going to be saved. Because Jesus is of no consequence. That soul is damned forever. There is no hope at all. For them to be renewed. Because they have Jesus up crucified again. That is to say that we could. I don't want to pause there. It's already grieving me. That there are people. Yes I have seen them. that used to walk in holiness. And today they have no desire whatsoever. To live like Jesus lived. They've got one thing on their mind. And that's how worldly can they be. And then they ask the question. Does it really matter what somebody believes. I tell you it means everything what you believe. It makes all of the difference so if you fall away and you crucify christ and you say that that's it i'm still okay you are damned forever there's not a hope you could no more find your way back to god than if somebody took a flashlight and led you all the way you would never find him if somebody came along and said here acts 2 38 repent you would never be saved there isn't Impossibility that you could ever be saved and you've got him up on that cross and you saying well I don't think it matters if you're out there on the beach and, and how you do and I don't think God cares about those little things all he cares about you have crucified him you've said his words don't mean a thing and there he is an open shame uh, what's it say an open shame which is just another way of saying a, you've crucified him in front of everybody you you're a disgrace because you have crucified him again. So I would I would think about that when you uh, I don't mean when you make a mistake or when but when you begin to uh, discount what God's word says. Someone the other day I was there wasn't I don't mean a church person. Someone would say I don't care what the Bible says. I said I know. But I do, so I'm discussing it with you. They wanted to know the answer, and I said, the answer's in the Bible. I don't care what the Bible says. But I said, I know. But I do. And so I'm going to talk about it based on my interest in the Bible, not your interest in the Bible. Because the day may come when you'll be interested in what it says. Right now, you're you're not interested. But the answer is in the Bible. And for you to walk away from the Bible, think that you don't need it, that only educated people don't care about the Bible, and so on which, of course, is a myth in our culture. Many, many educated people, many, many. I want to tell you something, folks. I want to tell you what's going on right now. I want us to lift our hands. I want us to praise God. What is happening in our world right now is people are getting nervous and they're getting hungry for God. Come on, let's ask God to let his will be done in their lives. Father, I pray that in this world of of, uh, crucified Christ all over the place, yet we are seeing a mighty stirring in people's hearts. Lord, thank you for it, because you said it would come. You told us exactly how the last days would be. I want to be ready. Praise God. Sister French and I used to sing that, I want to be ready. Remember that when you were real young, Brother French? You don't? I know you don't remember it. He's just saying that. I want to be ready. We used to, I used to love that. Oh, yes, I, I want to be ready. I want to be ready to go. And that's in your heart. Uh, I forget that. It'll come to me in a moment, but uh, one of our sisters wrote a song uh, that I love, love, love. And Sister French will say, Hun, I I know you love it, but I'm tired tired of that song. And I said, I know, but I'm going to sing it. I really love it. And it was, uh, I can't, one of the sisters, uh, I think she was from Florida, years ago, when I first came into Pentecost, she wrote this song, I've got my heart set on heaven. Praise God. Amen. Anybody got your heart set on heaven tonight? (laughs) I can't resist saying that I did hear that phone, but that's all right. No, I'm just kidding. We're having a little fun tonight. And that's good because these are kind of weighty matters here, but but we do. Aren't we aren't we longing for heaven? And he's getting ready to use the word, and we're almost there. That we got you've gotta long for it, you've gotta desire it greatly. That's what longing means. All right. Uh okay. I'm reading uh the next verse. What is uh five, six, seven? Okay. For the earth, I've got to quit doing this. For the earth, everyone say the earth. How many sees that I've made two notes? One is that if you condemn Christ, you are condemning yourself. That's what you're doing. You're con- that's what you're doing. Someone said, that's against the law. Well, it may be, but it's still true. If you condemn Christ, you are condemning yourself. That's, that's what is happening. That's just, just like, okay, someone said, what happens if you jump off a building? Well, if you jump off of a, a 10-story building, you're going to fall to the ground very hard. And whatever the pull of gravity is, that's what you're going to be to you. And you're, when you hit the ground, it's going to be to whatever direct relationship there is to the weight of your body, the the that building, and so on. You're going to... Um, so if you condemn Christ, the result is going to be you are, in fact, condemning yourself. That's what you're actually doing. And then how many notice there's a, a set of words... Oops, oh, that's just me, sorry. Uh, Underneath the cross. See that? Can you see what it is? What is it? The earth, you see. And that's where Paul now turns. And I suggest that what what he's getting at is that when you push the cross into the earth, that then reminds us that our hearts are at stake. For example, the earth, when it drinks in the rain that comes oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meet for them by whom it is dressed. In other words, someone's in there working that ground or the earth. They're uh, tilling it or dressing it, whatever. There's a better word than that. But anyway, uh, they're, t- is tilling a word? Tilling You can see I'm a great farmer and tilling the earth and working that, and then the rains come down and that produces a result that receives blessing from God. In other words, that is a good and a blessed thing. But, everyone say, that which beareth thorns, everyone say, that which beareth thorns. (laughs) I know you didn't want to say it, but I just, I have to, I got to get a little help here. That which beareth thorns and briars is. Rejected, even in in this world, somebody comes along. How many of you know? Say, well, which which do you want? Do you want uh do you want ice cream and well, this is what Sister French would say. Uh, do you want ice cream with peanut butter sauce? That's what we have. That's that's the our number one reason for battling uh, certain things that I have to battle. Uh, which begins with W and ends with weight. And so, uh, if I ask you that, or I say, or do you would you want to eat uh, some? Uh, I've got some. Co- do you have cockleburrs? I'm not sure if we have cockleburrs. Okay, we have cockleburrs. All right, because uh, one of my favorite stories is the young man that came in and said that uh, that he had the cockleburrs and and he thought they were porcupine eggs. Okay, a couple of you are laughing no one over here but oh i did hear some over here um and said would you like to eat these cockleburrs i'm going to guarantee you right now nobody i i i've I got to be careful i don't i'm not sure if anybody eats cockleburrs but where i'm from okay I, i'm going to tell you where, i just put it this where i'm from nobody eats cockleburrs they don't fry them they don't toast them they don't boil them now you know oak okra all right you got that okra you can do it a lot of ways some ways it tastes really horrible and some ways it's absolutely delectable so you could eat it but nobody that i know ever found a way to make a cocklebur edible they just don't eat them it's like grass i mean if you know somebody eating grass i don't want to know about it but most people don't eat grass Cows eat grass and so on. But that, here's what they're saying. The, the, your heart that is producing something that said, I'm going to put Jesus into nothing and I'm going to push his body on a cross and, and, his, and the cross into the ground, you are in effect saying he's nothing to me. And yet you would reject it if you saw it in the world. You would say how pathetic that is. And so the same is with God. When you crucify him again, he says that's briars and thorns. But when you take your heart and say, Lord, I want you to be in my heart what you want me to be. You are Lord of all. Anybody feel like he's Lord of all tonight? Hallelujah. Jesus be the Lord of all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, all right, so, uh, and then whose end is to be burned? And so everyone understands that means you will be cast into hell. That's what he's talking about. He's paralleling burning of the one and the other is blessed. All right, now let's go to the next one because we're almost done, uh, and we're going to go quickly. Hold on, let me look and see. Oh, well, it's not as quick as I thought. Here we go. Now, I'm going to read verse 9. Beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous. To forget or that he would forget your works and labor of love. He knows what you've done. He knows the good that you've done. So don't think that God's going to, oh, he's going to forget the good things I've done. No, no, no. No, he's not going to forget the good you did. Which you have showed toward his name. Everyone say his name. So that right there shows that his name is critical and important. It matters whose name you're baptized in. It matters whose name you praise. And when you say the Lord's Prayer... How many know that when you say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The name you're talking about is not Jehovah, it's not Yahweh, it's Jesus. That's the name you're talking about. And you're blessing his name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. For for God is not unrighteous to forget your works and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. That is, you continue to minister. You're still ministering. So he's saying, I'm persuaded that you're not going to step over the line and then he goes on, but, and we desire, everyone say desire. Now, we only got a little bit. Come on, let's work our way quickly. We desire that every one of you do the same diligence to the full assurance of hope. Now, I've put above it uh, my own little translation. Oh, okay. Um, it's gone. Mm-hmm. All right, I put above it my own little translation that we desire that every one of you display the same eagerness for the fulfillment of your hope. You started out with a hope. Now, I don't, I, 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 oh, hey, ooh, I put it in here. I didn't think I had one. Right here. So, so when it says we desire that every one of you. Sh- show the same diligence to full assurance. Well, that I understand that, but that's a little, uh, I'm just trying to make it a, cl- a little clearer. That you would display the same eagerness. That's a direct translation from the Greek. So is this, but this is, I'm just trying to make it clear. Display the same eagerness for the fulfillment of your hope. You started out, you believed in Jesus. Now you're about to go back to the, Priesthood of Aaron. You think Jesus might be dispensable. And if you think you can walk away from God's word and everything will be hunky-dory, you are sadly mistaken. You have to walk all the way to the end, my friend. What good is it for me to live my whole life in holiness and then in the last days of my life become something altogether different or believe in something and then later walk away from it? Now, let's read, uh, what would it be, verse 12? I, I don't know if you can see it up here because I, I can tell that I've I've shrunk. I shrunk the text so that I could put the Greek word uh, nothroy in there, but I want you to read it in the King James. So here we go. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. If you're going to be saved and inherit the the hope of heaven, the promise. Now here we go. This is all setting us up for the end of the chapter. And and that don't be slothful. Or this is the same word we saw earlier. Now I don't know why the King James has gone with slothful. I have no problem with it because it slothful says a similar thing, but it is the same word. It, it uh, Nothroi means to be dull or dull of hearing that is you you 're not willing to um you're, you're very slow. There's different ways to say it, but you're slow to respond to what you ought to be doing. In fact, you may never get to it. All right? Now, let's go on. Verse 13. Here we go. We're going to go to the one with Abraham because we're almost there. We're, it, I know you don't think so, but we're going to read it quickly. And we're going to read it together. This isn't l- really large. I don't know why I shrunk the text, but let's look at 13 and let's read it together. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater... He swear by himself. Let's lift our hands and thank God. Lord, there is no one greater than you are. There is no one, no theologian can create a God or a theology that is greater than you are. Hallelujah. Now let's keep going, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, so he 's saying what 's important is that you make it to the end. Abraham had to hold out to the end it didn 't matter that he was Abraham, he had to hold out to the end, which is by the way the exact opposite of what the world is telling us it 's the exact opposite all right now let's let 's go to the next one because we're we 're just we 've got four more verses and and he now he 's showing that the Uh, The certainty is in the Melchizedek order. The certainty of our promise is in who Jesus is. All right. Now, let's read together. If you want to read along, it would be very helpful. Now, it's going to stop in the middle of the last verse, but uh, it's the way it's working. All right. Here we go. For men verily swear by the greater. That it means what? We swear by God. God. Men will swear. Do you take an oath? Put your hand on the Bible, and so on. Will you swear? And I know there's uh, there's a teaching about about swearing that's important. I don't have time to go into the depth of how you should and should not swear, and so forth. For men, verily, for so I'm not going to go into it. I'm I want to go into it, but I'm not going to go into it. You hear? You hear what I'm telling myself? I'm not going to go into it. For men, verily, swear by the greater. That is, that's what they do. They swear by the greater. And here we go. Let's read. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. That's why I put out beside it another translation. The oath is final in among men, see, for establishing the validity that a statement is true. I'm going to swear by this oath. Now, that's setting us up to show that God's promise is so awesome that he didn't just Promise it. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> he didn't just promise it. He didn't just swear. All right? Wherein God, let's read, here we go, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. He promised. And then he gave an oath, something of which was unnecessary. He confirmed it that by two immutable, did I get that spelling right? I think I did. That by two immutable things in which, everyone say two, That is his word. Really, all he had to say was his word. I'm going to do this and so. But then he said, I am so excited about this. I want this to be such a confirmation that I'm going to make an oath. I am going to tell Abraham, not only do I give you my word, Abraham, but I am going to give you an oath, both of which are impossible of ever Being false. In fact, he says, in which it is impossible for God to lie, which is another way of saying the same thing. Here we go. verse The rest of 18. Can we read it together? We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us. Now, I would have liked to spend a little time, but I'm going to wrap it up. I'm almost there with why we have fled for refuge but i think we can all understand that how many knows that we used to be a sinner we didn't have a hope so we fled to the rock hallelujah i run into the tower hallelujah his name is a righteous tower anybody know that's true tonight his name is a, we fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us which hope we have as a what an anchor of the soul if you ever let loose of that anchor now notice that i've turned this picture upside down this is a picture of a of a ship's anchor but we're not talking about a ship's anchor we're talking about an anchor that goes straight into the holy of holies Because Jesus walked right into the Holy of Holies. And I want to tell you something. I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't care how many times you failed. You've got a Jesus that loves you. He's going to help you. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You are going to make it. Because you've got a high priest that's gone before you, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Both sure. Here we go. Let's go to the. Uh, well, it's the next to the last one. Let me make sure. Okay, there we are. Oh, here we are. This is an artist's rendering of the of the Holy of Holies and the priest, and which entereth into that within the veil. Now, notice that what that means. Let's. Can you see that at the top there? It's not real clear, but let's read that. And which entereth into that within the veil. It really is a little bit of a rough translation there, but it's just another way of saying the anchor that we have received goes straight into the holy of holies, which is a type of heaven. And so we are, here we are anchored at Calvary and it extends into the heavens and the Christ has himself gone in, and it is extended into heaven itself. Can you say praise the Lord? Now, let's read our last verse. Let's, let's stand. Let's read the last verse together, because I know, I know we need to f- finish. Here we go. Let's read, Whither the forerunner is for us entered, which is an interesting way to translate it. Say that one more time. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made and high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so he's done exactly what he said. I'm going to enter into this deeper study. Some of you don't have the strength for it. All you want to do is it's just TV and so on. I can't handle much of that word business. And he's saying, but if you're ever going to get where you need to go, you're going to have to understand who Jesus really is. How many are glad you know who Jesus is tonight? Praise God. Let's let's lift our hands and ask God to help. Father, thank you for our, our study tonight in Hebrews 6. Thank you, Lord, to know that you are our hope. Lord, I don't ever want to forget who you are, and I don't want to forget what you've done on my behalf. I don't want to cut myself loose, Lord. No matter what else I may do that I wish I did differently, I want to hold to your hand. I want to be anchored to heaven. I want my heart to be anchored, Lord, in you and your word. And Thank you for stepping into the holiest of holies and carrying my sins, O God, and your blood that washes them away. I thank you for it, Jesus, and I praise you for it.